The following sermon is by Dan Thomas, pastor and teacher at Community Church in Edwardsburg, Michigan. If you've never visited us at Community Church, we invite you to join us at 28647 US 12 West in Edwardsburg. And now, here is Pastor Dan Thomas. Uh, before we get into our message here for a second, I have to go over, I have to add a couple things to announcement-wise. One of them is an apology. I never thought, uh, I've been passing out these books the last couple weeks, and uh, they, uh, I never thought we'd use them all up the first week, then we used them all up the second week. I tried to order more. They don't have any more on Amazon. They don't have uh, Christian book suppliers had three. And two of them are gone. This is the last one. So we'll have a race at the end. I'll throw it down here and see who can grab it. Uh, even the, the uh, what's the ministry? Yeah, Revive Our Hearts. Even them, they don't have any more. I never thought that our church had that kind of buying power. You know what I mean? In fact, I'm thinking of writing a book and, and uh, selling it to you all and seeing. I actually did write a book one time, and I sent it to some publishers. And uh, they told me that they were very interested in publishing. And if I would send them $8,000, uh, they would explore that further. And that was the end of my writing career right there. Uh, so, uh, but anyway, I only have one left. I'm very sorry. I can't get any more. Uh, they said they'll be back in print next summer. So uh, I'm sorry about that. Uh, you'll just have to make up your own names of God. <laughs> no, you. Um, but, uh, but then I also uh, did want to mention just another word about the meeting afterwards. Uh, we had some folks sign up that uh, had to cancel the morning so we have some openings and if you weren't planning on coming but want to we're just going to meet really I'm going to take about uh, 10 or 15 minutes and talk a little bit about our church give you the opportunity to ask some questions about our church and we will meet there's a room back behind the kitchen so if you got those doors it's off the gym to the right or behind the kitchen we'll meet there about 10 minutes after the service and uh, so we'll start at somewhere around 1140 uh, and get going with that just have a brief informal meeting though there is a plate full of stuff, you know, crackers and stuff to put on the crackers. What's that word with the boards? That word. It's not that. Um, but it's just a plate full of crackers and cheese. Okay. All right. So here we go. You ready? Um, little advertisement. For, by the way, I, I have been accused of being responsible for the uh, snow this morning since I started the Christmas series a little early. Uh, I don't really think it's my fault, but, uh, but I want to do an advertisement for what we're going to do in the month of December because I just think grasping a hold and, and getting into this particular name of God, the Prince of Peace, is going to be so crucial in our lives as we move forward. As I begun begin to study it, it talks about the idea that this peace is the idea of fullness, fullness in God, knowing him more, knowing his better, him better. And we're really going to focus on that word for the entire month of December. So because of that, we had to jump in ahead, get some of the other names of Christ around Christmas time in here in November. So last week we looked at the wonderful counselor and we saw the way that Jesus counseled and the way Jesus counseled is he always got to the heart of the matter. Okay, because the heart of the matter are always matters of the heart, and he kind of dug into that. And, uh, and we saw the way that, that Jesus helped uh, those that he had confrontations with and how he taught them. Uh, and then today we move into that next name of God, which is Mighty God. So we're going to read the same text that we read last week. And I'm going to read it in a way that you might think, okay, he's being a little sacrilegious here. Stay with me, because what I want to do, there's some verses that you're familiar with in here, and there's some verses that you're not. And I think if you are like me, sometimes we read through the verses we're not 
familiar with, and it's kind of blah, 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 whatever, okay? So we're going to do a little blah, 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 whatever, but then we're going to go back and dig into some things that really help us understand a little bit more about our mighty God and how he fights our battles for us, okay? So let's go uh, with this. This is from uh, the book of Isaiah, chapter 9, verse number 1, begins with, there will be no gloom for her who is in anguish. Okay, what are we talking about there? And in the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. Now, there's a verse that many of you probably have stenciled on your walls at home. Okay, you got the Zebulun and the Naphtali there like that. Seriously, some of you probably right away, you know that those are tribes of Israel, but that's for most of us, it's like, okay, what is that talking about here? Well, we're going to come back and look at that and see that. But in the latter times, he made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness now have seen a great light. Well, that, that could be on your wall there at home. Uh, those who dwell in the land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nations. You have increased its joy. And they rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, and they are glad when they divide the spoil. Again, you know, we're reading this, and okay, what? How's this tie in to where we're going? Because verse number six is going to begin with the word, for, uh, for unto us a child is born. So we're setting that up. Okay, why all these things true? Because a child is born to us. Well, we're going to have to go uh, first of all, to the idea that the child is born and kind of back up to figure out what's going on here. For the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor has been broken as on the day of Midian. You got that one, right? That's another verse you have on your wall at home. That's in the day of Midian. Okay, well, we better figure out what that means, what that day of Midian means. For every boot of the trampling warrior in battle to mold had, and every garment rolled in blood has been burned in the fuel of the fire. Okay, now we get familiar. Okay, now you're ready for Christmas. For unto us a child is born. To us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called, and there we go, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. So we are going to really dive in, and we're going to dissect that mighty God name today. But as we do all these names, I want to help you a little bit with, I think, with a frame of mind that will be helpful. I read this quote this week from a preacher in a sermon. You're going to say, okay, really? This is from a preacher? Christmas is all about getting what you want, right? Uh, I know it's not, but don't we sometimes, you know, what, what do you ask somebody after Christmas? Did you get everything you wanted? <laughs> Did you fill up your list? Did you get everything you wanted? We kind of think like that sometime. Uh, kind of a famous song that uh, I think I'm going to ask Adam to sing here sometime is uh, Santa Baby. Uh, I think that would be a beautiful thing. <laughs> I do understand that Michael Buble has a version, so there must be a male version of that out there. But if you, uh, if you remember that song, you know, Santa Baby, he wants everything. I want a, uh, or she wants a, uh, a diamond ring. She wants a mink coat. She wants a yacht. She wants a blue convertible. She wants all these things. Uh, you know, that would be great. And sometimes we kind of think like that. Well, I somewhat want you to think like that. What I mean is, I want you to see, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And as we look at those names, I want you to kind of see that dump truck of Christmas gifts being dumped on us. We, who uh, are sometimes dumb, the Bible talks us being like sheep, have a wonderful counselor. We who oftentimes feel very weak have a mighty God. We who are orphaned, sometimes literally and, and always spiritually, have an everlasting Father. And we 
who struggle and a lot of times with emptiness have the fullness of God's peace in the Prince of Peace. So this is awesome as we look into this. I kind of get that mindset. I, this is a gift, the greatest Christmas gift ever, if you will, coming in this son being born, I'm sorry, in this child being born, in this son being given. So as we dig into that, this name, Mighty God, uh, that is pronounced El, okay, I always want to say El Gabor. That's not right. It's El Gibber is how you say that. But this name of God means that he is the almighty one, and he is our hero or our champion. He is our victor. We were in a small group a couple weeks ago. Somebody, I won't mention his name, Dave, uh, said that uh, when he thought about the names of God, he liked to think of God as his hero. Well, here's the name right here, okay, that we look at. And when we look at the mighty God, he is the hero. He is our champion in battle. So we're going to dig into that before I go back to that first verse in chapter 9, I want to read a little bit of chapter 8. Uh, I could read all of chapter 8. The message there is that we are to fear God and wait for the Lord because the people were under great oppression from the, the Assyrians. Okay, If you're familiar at all of the world kingdoms, you had Babylon, you had uh, Greece, I'm sorry, Medes and Persians and the Greeks and the Romans, and they all uh, were oppressors of God's people. The worst oppressor of God's people came first. They were the Assyrians. And uh, they were experiencing the Assyrians at this time. And uh, again, I'm jumping in somewhat in the middle, but just that we can look a little bit here from chapter 8. It says, and when they say to you, inquire of the mediums and the necromancers who chirp and mutter, should not the, peop uh, the people inquire of their God? It says, you know, there's going to be people during the hard times that are turning to, hey, we're going to have seances. We're going to bring back the dead. How about we turn to God? And he kind of sets that up here. Should they inquire uh, of the dead, again, on behalf of the living? I don't think so. To this teaching and to their testimony, if they will not speak according to this word, it is because they have no dawn. They have no dawn. They have no light. They're in darkness. And people without God, and this is just an established fact the Bible makes, people without God, regardless of what it looks like, the real the real. Reality is the reality is that they are in darkness without God we are in darkness they have no dawn they will pass through the land greatly distressed and hungry and when they get hungry uh, they will be enraged and they will speak contemptuously against their king and their God so basically things are going to go bad and they're going to turn on this God and they're going to turn on that God and they're going to turn on this king but they're still not looking towards the God and their faith uh, they would and they will um, and turn their faces upward, and they will look to the earth. They're going to look around. But behold, distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish, and they will be thrust into the thick darkness. So it is describing the oppression of, the, uh, of, the, of this time when the Assyrians were over top of them, and they're living in darkness. Okay, now we've got to break out of that as we move into uh, chapter 9. We've got to talk about the promise of the Son that is given, the promise of the Messiah, the promise of of Jesus. The first word that I want you to think about when we talk about this mighty God, and actually, I'm not crazy about this word. I like my other three words. This word might not be a great one, so write it in pencil if you're taking notes. Uh, you might want to come up with a better one, but the idea of this mighty God and his victory that he brings is a transforming victory. Now, we're going to read the first few verses again. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. Okay, now, 
let's, let's talk about what these two places are. Again, we mentioned those are tribes of Israel. They were also the northern, in the northern kingdom, and they were right around the area that we would say would be Galilee, okay, right around the Sea of Galilee. When the Assyrians came, the tribes of Zebulun and Naphtali got the worst of it. Okay, there's, there's no doubt. They, they took the brunt of the Assyrian army. They knew oppression like nobody knew oppression. So what the, the, Isaiah is writing here, he's saying, but in the latter times, okay, there was contempt for them. Okay, they had terrible times. They, they were enduring the, uh, this wrath and this judgment. But in the latter times, okay, now we're talking about the coming of Jesus. Uh, he made the, the glorious way by the sea, the land of Jordan, Galilee. Sorry, that was some great reading right there. <laughs> I don't know what I just said, but uh, hopefully you can read it there. But in the latter times, Jesus is going to come, and a large part of his ministry is going to be centered where? Right on the Sea of Galilee. And I know this is a reference to that because Jesus talked about that. He actually quoted these verses uh, from Isaiah. Uh, and he talked about, you know, there, to those who were in this great darkness, the great light will come. So they are going to experience a lot of the ministry of Jesus right around that area of the Sea of Galilee. If you read through Scripture and, and you see some of the different headlines, stuff like that, or, or uh, headings on chapters, it'll tell you this is his ministry by the Sea of Galilee. Had a powerful ministry there. The people who walked in darkness now have seen a great light. So it's transforming from darkness to light. Those who dwell in the land of deep darkness, on them the light has shone. Now, what else is happening? You have multiplied the nations. You have increased their joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest. So he's saying they were in darkness. Now they're in light. Okay? Now they're, and now they're going to know joy because this child is given. I'm sorry. I keep saying that. Because the, son, the child is born, the son is given. Because of that, they're going to know this great light now. And then, okay, wait a minute, they're going to have the joy of the harvest. The harvest was the time when all the work and all the hard times is rewarded. And then and there was, you know, all the things that we've gone through. Now this is great. We're going to know what that is like at the harvest time. And they will divide the spoil. This is the victors. This is the opening of the champagne after you win the World Series. We won. Okay? This is what is coming. So those who have experienced this terrible oppression now are going to, because of this child being born, because of this son being given, they're going to know what it's like now to walk in light and experience joy and have the reward of the harvest and celebrate the victory. Okay? So that's our first word, transforming. Again, not my favorite. This is my favorite right here. The second thing that I want you to know about this mighty God and the way he fights our battles is he does it in a very strange way. Yeah, sorry, I have to look at the clock. Yeah, I think I have time. I promised Daniel Brown a corny joke here if I have time. I think I fit it in here. Of course, Daniel said, how will we know the difference? But anyway, um, there's a story of a guy in World War II. He's in line to get his weapon. His name was Walsachowski or something like that. Anyway, he's at the end of the line. And by the time he gets there, they don't have any weapons left for him, so they just hand him a stick. He said, what do I do with this? He said, well, when you go through training, if it's time to shoot it, you just go bangity bang bang. If you have to stab somebody, you go stabity stab stab. So uh, he said, whatever. So he goes all through training, bangity bang bang, stabity stab stab, uh, whatever like that. And it comes time to go actually go to the battle. He still doesn't have a gun. And he's like, I don't know what to do. So he goes in the battle with his stick. And he goes up there and he says, well, I don't know what else to do. He sees the enemy. So he says, bangity bang bang, guy falls over. Looks over here, bangity bang bang, guy falls over. Guy gets closer, stabity stab stab. Guy's, guy's dead. He says, this is incredible. But then uh, after a little bit, he sees this guy just charging at him full speed. And he says, bangity, bang, bang, nothing. Keeps coming. 
Bangity, bang, bang, nothing. Closer, closer, stabity, stab, stab, nothing. He hears the guy going by us. He flattens him going, tankity, tank, tank, tankity, tank, tank. Ah, okay. <laughs> Told you. Told you it was corny. <laughs> Had to go there. But when you talk about peculiar battle plans, there are none more peculiar than what we're going to read about here uh, as we continue in our passage, and uh, a reference that we might not understand again with, but the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder uh, uh, and the rod of the oppressor you have broken just like you did in the day of Midian. Okay? What's that mean? Who's Midian? Actually, it's what's Midian? Uh, Midian was another oppressor of God's people. Back in the book of Judges, God delivered God's his people, from the hand of Midian. And he, he used somebody whose name rhymes with Midian named, hey, you're all over there. That's right. He used a guy by the name of Gideon. And uh, Gideon has an incredible story. And uh, we're not going to go back to Judges and read the whole thing, but let me just summarize it a little bit because it is kind of a fascinating story. First of all, I always love that God called him at the beginning of the story. He called him a mighty man of valor. And the reason why I love that is because at that point he wasn't. But God knew what he would be. I love that, that God sees not only where we are, but where we're going to be, where he's going to take us, how he's going to grow us, and everything like that. Because Gideon was nothing of a mighty man of valor when God first called him that. He was not a great warrior at all. In fact, Gideon is kind of famous, and many of us will remember this story, for putting out a fleece. I don't know if you're, we use that expression, I'm going to put out a fleece and uh, you know, see what God, God does here. Probably all of us at one time or another have put out a fleece. You know, we want to buy a car, it costs $10,000. God, if you'll get that price down to 8000 then I'll know you want me to have it. And the guy comes down to 9000 close enough, God, we got it. Uh, we'll go with that. We love the idea of putting out the fleece, and I wanted to mention that to you because truth of the matter is that that's not great. If you look at the story, God told Gideon to fight the battle to win the battle, and he was like, are you sure, God? I'll tell you what. I'm going to go to bed tonight. I'm going to put a little uh, skin, skin here. And if it's wet in the morning and the floor is dry, then uh, I'll know you want me to do it. And God said, okay. And he wakes up the next morning and God did a, a, exactly what he asked for. And he says, okay, well, if you're really sure, let's turn that around. Uh, tomorrow, if you can make the other thing wet and the other thing dry, uh, that would be great. So he has to check it out here. So putting out the fleece, not really the best way. Gideon, not the great mighty man of valor, but eventually he says, okay, I'll do what you said, God. And he gets an army ready to go, ready to go fight Midian. Uh, and he gets an army of 32,000 men. Okay, pretty impressive army. 32,000, they're ready to go. God says, you know what God said? You got too many. Uh, we're not going to take that many. In fact, here's what I want you to do. I want you to give a little speech to them and tell them if they want to go home, go home. <laughs> if you really don't want to fight Midian, and many of those guys felt moved uh, to go home. They weren't too excited about fighting Midian. And the army went from 32,000 down to 10,000. And uh, it's okay, so now we have an army of 10,000. Gideon's ready to go, okay? Not great, I'd rather have the 32,000, but I'll take the 10,000. And God says, it's still too many. Uh, and uh, let, let's do this little thing. And they, they do a uh, weird little thing where they, they're, they're told to drink. They're thirsty and they're told to drink from a stream. And those who lap like dogs and, and some are going to pick it up with their hands. And those are the ones that you want. And he whittles down the army to 300. And he brings an incredible victory through those 300 men. But I want us to grab a hold of this. When we think about our mighty God, I want us to remember how peculiar his battle plan is so often. 
Now, stop with me for a minute and think about your own life. Have you ever experienced a place where God has brought a great victory in your life and it didn't really make any sense how he did it? Okay, I think many of us could testify to that. I know I could. I know I could, I could look back to say, God, I didn't really understand what you were doing here and it seemed to be going the opposite way, but God brought a great victory in my life. Probably the worst time in my life, God brought the greatest victory out of. And, you know, I'm not, we're not crazy of that idea, but, man, if we can get a hold of that concept and remember, and by the way, go through Scripture, and I could point to many different stories where, again, God's plan, battle plan doesn't really seem to make any sense. Jericho comes to mind. March around the city. March around once every day. On the, on the last day, march around seven times. Great plan. What a battle plan. Let's, let's go back to Gideon's story here for a second. Not only did he go with 300 men, you know, well, God must have given them some really good weapons, right? Yeah, God said, here's what you do. Have every one of them take a torch and a pot and what am I missing? A trumpet. Good plan. <laughs> Love that, God. Uh, bangity bang. Uh, I, you know, I don't know how that's, that's, that's going to work. I don't think it's going to work too well. And the battle plan is blow the trumpets and crack the pots and the men of the, of the Midianites go kind of crazy and they run in fear and some of them run into each other and kill each other and it's great victory for him. Doesn't really make any sense, does it? Here's the thing, and, and if uh, I'm staying on this point for a little bit because I got, I got so excited about this, how often I need to remember this. I just need to remember that God brings victory in very peculiar ways because I watch my life sometimes and I think this isn't going the right way. This is not going the right way. It doesn't look like the good guys are winning here. Okay, it looks like the bad guys are winning, so I have to cling to this. But here, here here's the best story ever. If you want to talk about an unusual victory, look to the cross, okay? A baby is born. Helpless this could be. Born into wealth and fame, no, born into poverty and obscurity. Doesn't really make sense. Seems like kind of a strange plan. Well, let's give him some followers. Well, let's pick some sharp guys here. Yeah, let's get 12 fishermen. Ah, uh, well, I know they weren't all fishermen. Yes, I do know that. Uh, but, uh, but let's get some guys that are not the cream of the crop. And get them around him. Yeah, but in the end, he's going to come out the winner. In the end, they took him and they crucified him. As humbling a death as could be experienced. And through everything that happened to that baby that was born, to that son that was given, the greatest victory ever came out of it. Okay? I, I'm sorry. I, I'm kind of like, I'm not going to quit now. What time is it? No, I'm not quitting now. Don't get excited. Uh, but I'm kind of like, I, I, I do really, you know, sometimes I just come with something I really want you to get today. I want you to get that. I want you to see this phrase here, this Midian. And next time you read it, understand what it's talking about here. It's saying God did some crazy stuff there to brought an incredible victory. It didn't really make any sense because like I said, I don't know how many times in my life I've looked and said, God, I really have no idea what you're doing here. I don't understand how good can possibly come out of that. I don't understand how you're showing yourself strong and mighty. I don't see it. And God brings the greatest victories out of those very things. That sometimes, and truth is, probably there's some that we will not even understand on this earth, but we will when we see things as he sees them. I'm sorry. I, I just, you know, sometimes I'm like, you got to get that. But we got more. Don't worry. Uh, the next word that I wanted to bring out there about the victory is that it is final. Okay? When God wins the battle, it's over. And that comes from verse number five. Every boot of the trampling warrior every, uh, in the tumult, every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. What did they do when the battle was over? They gathered all this stuff and they burned it. This was a sign that the battle was over. 
it was one. And again, a mindset, if we can capture uh, for ourselves, that we fight in victory. You know, I've mentioned before my weird tendency to go back and watch, like, football games that I already know the outcome of and that I really enjoy them. <laughs> I don't care what goes wrong uh, because I know who won. It's all good. If we can take that mindset into life where it doesn't look like the right size winning here, but we know who won. Okay, we know the victory that is coming. And then just to take a little time and talk about the supernatural aspect of our mighty God who is strong in battle. In our verse that we're familiar with, that we think of at Christmas time, it tells us that there is a child born and a son given. Let's just look at that for a second. Again, why a child? I mean, why didn't God just show up? You, you know what I mean? Take on human form, you know, form. Why did he come as a little baby, a helpless baby, a baby that needed to be taught, a baby that needed to be cared for? Why exactly would we do that? Well, the Bible tells us that in him there is no, uh, he, took, he made himself of no reputation. Okay, Philippians tells us that. Isaiah in another spot tells us that there's no, nothing really special about him. There's no, no, nothing that would draw everybody to him in that way. He, come, he came very humbly in that way. As far as the son being given, it is that idea that that son was given, that son already existed. Okay, Jesus did not have his beginning in the manger. He had, I guess you could say he had his human beginning in the manger. That's where he came. But Jesus has always existed. The son is given. So in this idea, in these first couple of phrases, we, we understand that he is not part God and part man. He is fully God and fully man tells us that. I mean, this is such a supernatural thing that this one would come. You see, because we needed a perfect, infinite being to offer a perfect, infinite sacrifice. And why, why did it happen like that? Why did, why did it play out like that? God in his perfection, there was going to have to be a perfect sacrifice for sin. So in, the, in that, you know, we have that son that is given, that one that is perfect. But, it, but we also have the one who came in human form and experienced everything that we experienced went through like that. A child is given. A child is given. A son is born because we needed a perfect, infinite being to offer a perfect, infinite sacrifice. And the greatest battle that's ever been won, sin being defeated, death being defeated, is won in a way that doesn't prob probably make a lot of sense to us. So let's go and kind of summarize here for a second when we talk about this mighty God because I want us to understand that this God lives inside of us. This is one verse of many that I could show you uh, where this idea is communicated. We also actually sang uh, this in one of the songs we sang this morning. But to them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery. What is that mystery? Which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. John chapter 14, when Jesus was going away, he talked to his disciples. He said, I'm going away, but I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. That he would live in you, live in your life. Now, don't miss that word mystery. If you're looking and saying, I don't understand that, I don't completely understand it either. 
It's awesome to know that, to know the Spirit of God alive in your life. But I, uh, but I can't say I completely understand exactly how God does that and make it happen. But I do know that he says he, he does. That this Almighty God then lives inside of us as believers in him. So we have that power, if you will, in us and through us. In fact, what did Jesus say to the disciples? I'm going away. Greater works will you do. Uh, because of that Holy Spirit, because of that power of God in you. So this victory that we read about, this victorious God, this almighty God, this conqueror, this champion, this hero, lives in us on a daily basis, uh, on a permanent basis, um, because of the work of Jesus Christ. Now, second thing, not only does that power live in us, but it also is for us. This is actually, I, I think this might be my favorite verse in Scripture. I, I love to read these verses from Romans 8. By the way, you can read through all of Romans 8 sometime. It's a great thing. Get to the end and it talks about the, the love of God and nothing can separate us. We just sang about that. that. That's awesome. But let's look at these verses here. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Mighty God, right? And look at this phrase. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? And I, I have mentioned this before, I know, because this is, a, this is a promise of Scripture I come back to over and over again. When I look at my life and it doesn't really make sense, and I question the goodness of God, and we just said, I will sing of the goodness of God. There are times when, in my heart, I question the goodness of God. I need to sing of the goodness of God, but I don't. I come back to right here. Because how can I not trust anything that he does? Because he has already, in the person of Jesus Christ, met my greatest need. Because he has already, and yes, this is an illustration I've used before, but I, but I hope you get a hold of this. Um, I, I've thought about this before. If I, I have a, a couple friends who have several sons, and if my son, you know, at some point was sick, and he's going to die, and he needed somebody to donate an organ to him, and that, but that organ donation would take that guy's life. I would not go to my, my son, let me find somebody with a, multiple uh, sons here for a second, but I can't find anybody. Who's got multiple sons? Uh, you got multiple sons. I would not go to Jody and say, Jody, you got a couple. Would you spare one for me? I mean, you would never think that you would ask that. You know, you, you would never do that. I would never say, would you give your son? You know, I, I would never ask that. So when I look at what God has already done, he has already done what I would never think to ask. He has already met my greatest need in Jesus Christ. So when I come back to some of the battles that I fight and I don't understand what God's doing, and like I said, I, I might even question the goodness of God, I come back to these verses here and I remember that how can I question the one who has already won the victory? I don't completely understand all that. I don't even understand completely the presence of him in my life, uh, but I know the truth that God's words teaches that he is in me that mighty God and that he is for me a third preposition we could say is that God is also going to be working through us Ephesians 3:10, so that through the church that's us the, uh, those who've trusted in Christ Jesus the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places and again this is one of a multitude of different verses that I could point out that talks about how the fact that that power of God works through us Okay, that power of God works in us. The power of God works for us. That power of God works through us. 
In the book of Jude, the author wrote in the last couple verses these words, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, authority, before all time, now, and forever. Let me back up for just one second there. To the one who is able to keep me from stumbling. To the one who has the power to present me blameless. Okay, when I stand before God, <laughs> my sin doesn't stand a chance. Because I stand in Him. Okay, so... Uh, this power that we talk about, this mighty God. Is that the, uh, the name of God that you maybe particularly need to cling to this day? Like I said, I'm kind of chomping at the bit. I can't wait to get to the Prince of Peace. But as I stop at each one of these names, I think, man, if we could just live that today. And if I could just remember the God, just like in the days of Midian when the oppression was great and it was hard, God brought a victory in a way that made absolutely no sense. I can trust that God, for unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. I'm going to ask uh, David and uh, Patience and uh, Jennifer to come back up, and, and we're going to sing the song that we started with uh, as we get ready to close here. But, uh, and, and I hope again, I always... I've mentioned this before. There, there comes a time every Sunday morning when I look at my notes, I look at all my preparation, and I think, I got nothing. God, without you, I'm going to totally waste my time here. And it, it's sad. You would think I would keep that in my mind all the time, but my pride comes back in, and you know, I start thinking, hey, that's a pretty good sermon. Got that joke about the bangity-bang. Uh, you know, like that. And I, and I, I, I forget again. And, but then there, there comes a place when I stop and say, hey, God, without your spirit, we're going to waste our time here this morning, and I don't want to do that. So I want to say that very plainly now. I, I didn't want to be entertaining or even just informative today. I, w- I want to ask that, uh, that or my, my prayer to God is that through our time here that you'll know him better, that you'll know the mighty God. Okay? That you can cling to this. Hey, maybe, maybe you go back and you read that story of Midian. Uh, but from back of the book of Judges, maybe you get into Romans chapter 8 and you just read through that and, and find this mighty God that is on our side. If God's before us, who can be against us? And then he goes in and he elaborates. It's a beautiful thing. But whatever the case, I hope that God takes our time here today and helps us to know him better as mighty God. A week from now, uh, we'll go ahead and talk about the everlasting father and talk about uh, knowing him as father. We sang about that today, too. We know him as friend. We know him as father. Uh, two weeks, and we're going to dive full bore for the month of December into talking about the Prince of Peace. And we'll examine it from this passage and several others. I'm pretty excited about that. But for today, He is our mighty God. Uh, great thing, again, just to even research uh, you know, more about this name of God. But let me close by once again reading the final words of Jude in his letter. Now to Him who is able to keep you from stumbling to present you blameless before the presence of His glory with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen? He is our mighty God, and your fear doesn't stand a chance. Get out of here. You've been listening to Pastor Dan Thomas of Community Church in Edwardsburg. 
For more information about the church, you can visit our website, edwardsburg.church. You may also contact the church via email, info at edwardsburg.church, or call us at 269-663-2648. Thank you for listening.